forget the Bible conference, and I'd like to encourage you to please be part of that. Really looking forward to some uh, some preaching that Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday evening. And then also I wanted to just uh, let the church know about some things on the Saturday as well for the, our ladies. We do have a ladies' brunch, and it's a joy this year um, for the first time, uh, Pastor Fisher will be coming with Mrs. Fisher. And uh, Mrs. Fisher will be here speaking to our ladies. And so that Saturday morning, if you can come along, there will be a brunch here at the church for our ladies. And then in the evening, we're going to have um, just a try to invite our, just a couple of other churches and their pastors and then also those who are involved in ministry in the churches. So anyone involved in ministry um, on the Saturday evening as well, we're going to have a, a dinner here at the church. And um, Pastor Fisher and Pastor Lord will be speaking that night. And then we've got our heritage dinner on the Sunday night. So it's going to be a busy week, but again, we want to use that time to be encouraged in the Lord, to be edified, but then also just to encourage our fellow churches of like faith. And so it'll be encouraging if you're, if you're there. It'll be an encouragement to them, and I'm looking forward to, to that week. So please pray and attend. And then also, um, of course, next week is Father's Day, and so I would encourage you men to, to be faithful in your place. We'll have some special things, and then... In the evening, we're also going to have the, the Crockett family with us. So I wanted to encourage you, our missionaries to Romania, uh, the Crockett's will be here on the, on the evening just reporting to the church. And so looking forward to a, a good couple of weeks as um, we get together. And, um, you know, the Bible says that we ought to do it so much the more as the day approaches. And it's a good thing, right, church, as we uh, continue to strive for uh, the cause of Christ together, that we're just encouraged that way. Let's turn our Bibles to John chapter 6. This morning, John chapter 6, and then also if you turn to Habakkuk uh, chapter 3, and so we'll, we'll get there in a little while, we'll start in John chapter 6, but I hope that you took some time this week to just give God some praise, hope that as you thought about what, what God was able to accomplish through you uh, in the course of the week, that you, you just took some time to praise God, and, and don't, you, don't you love it when it just all seems to come together? You know, I know that last week when we got to the venue, and of course we weren't in our normal venue here, we were over in Castle Hill, that many of you went early and, and um, many of you got there even before 8 o'clock. And praise God for that, I was excited about that. But um, many of you got there before 8 o'clock and the premises weren't even open yet. The, the, the staff there that were meant to help us got there right on 8. Um, but I, I remember for the first 15 minutes there was a bit of a commotion trying to get everything in and everyone was, there were so many moving parts and sometimes we, we look at all of the effort and all of the labor and we look at that and we go, well, uh, hopefully things work out. You know, to be honest with you, I didn't sleep well the night before. I, I was having these dreams that we turned up and no one else came. All right? You ever, you ever just worry about that? I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the pastor that does that. But, um, you know, I know the effort that you all put in. And yet we also understand that that God did a great thing. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad for souls saved? Aren't you glad for people to hear the gospel? And, you know, every opportunity we can get in those kind of things, the kind of events there, I'm glad we're able to do that. And I'm glad for what God did. And so I hope that you did take the time this week to just give Him some praise. I hope that you went home that afternoon, and, and whilst you may have been weary from the work and weary from the labor and weary from, from engaging in spiritual warfare a little bit for the day, that, that you took some time to praise God because of what He did and what He accomplished and, and all of those things that you were able to be part of. 
And I'm so glad for those times. I'm so glad that God does that. I'm so glad that over the course of our history as a church that God has done some great things that we've been able to see and able to be part of some great things that God has done. And I've been so glad to praise Him for those times. And, and aren't you glad that when, when the results and the outcomes of things just, just seem to be such a blessing? And I hope that you've offered up a prayer of gratitude and praise to our great God, Jesus Christ. I hope you're not like Jonah today, who uh, knowing full well that God is gracious and full of mercy and is quick to forgive, assault and was dismayed even in the midst of an Ninevite revival. I hope you're not one of those that are one of the, the nine that didn't return to say thanks to God for what He did. And this week was at other times, like other times, we can really just bask in a little bit of euphoria of seeing what God did. So it's wonderful things that God did. And so we labored and God in His grace blessed our labors and and we understand, I think, this morning that, you know, it's God that gives the increase. Right? We understand, I think, that as we continue to labor, that, that, you know, really in all of it, God is the one that does the work. We labor and He does the laboring for us. And, and again, I want to repeat, we ought to give praise. And I think if you think about that, it's pretty much a given, isn't it? When things work out, it's pretty, pretty much a given that we ought to praise God. And, I, and I'm going to assume that all of us here this morning, we worked and we labored and we did our bit to invite friends. And, and many of you, you had your friends there. I watched as you brought them in, as you sat with them, as you had lunch with them. I, I hope you did that. I hope that you went in the day with a heart full of joy and a heart full of expectation, a heart full of faith to see what God would do. And, and you through the week and through the course of the preceding weeks that you prayed and you labored that way. I hope that, that's, that's, that that was our, our spirit and the, the reality of last week. And it's a given, isn't it, that when you do that and God does something great, that we give Him praise. It's pretty much a given. It's, it's what we had hoped for. It was, it was a little bit beyond, I think, even at times. And we do this in life, don't we? When, when things work out and when things seem to go the way we had hoped after we had labored, and can I just say, you know, if we don't do the things that God has, has told us to do and God still turns up, we ought to give even greater praise. But, but the, the reality is that even at times when we do labor and we do all of that, we pray and we, we do everything that we are supposed to do, that certainly we have a, a certain expectation. Then when that expectation is met, that outcome and that result is there, it's pretty much a given that we give praise. It's pretty much a given that we go into the week, and as someone said it this morning, we're a bit on cloud nine. You know, we, we rejoice in that. We give praise. But you, you understand, is that always a reality? You know, sometimes we do labor. Sometimes we'll, we'll go tirelessly, and, and not, not in such a public way, maybe in the, the privacy of our own prayer closet, maybe in the privacy of our own time, uh, faithfully, trying to give out tracts, faithfully trying to win others to Christ, faithfully trying to encourage. And yet, in all of those times, we know God sees that. But is the outcome always positive? Does the outcome always seem to come out the way we expected it? I know already in my, my short time in ministry that things don't always work out. 
Um, anyone ever face a disappointment? Oh, there should be way more hands than that. <laughs> I'm disappointed you didn't put your hand up. You, you understand that li- life's just like that. We heard this morning that life has, is full of twists and turns. That, that even though we labor and we might uh, do all of those things that we expect to do, that life isn't a formula where if you do this and this, then this will come out. We can be as faithful and faithful can be, but sometimes things just don't work out the way they do. The results don't always seem to uh, evidence the, the work that we put in. And, and, and really, life's like that. I, isn't the reality of life at times disappointments? Isn't the reality of life at times expectations that are left unmet? And the result is that we have to, we have to face up to these unmet expectations. And really, in the end of it, whilst God is the one that is the, the blesser, he, will, he is the one that gives mercy to whom He wants to give mercy to. See, God is under no obligation to bless our labors, our prayers, and our expectations. It's His glory. And, and so today, you know, as much as I rejoice in Christ for the results, I want to I boldly say to you to forget about the results. Um, you know, many times this is the reason why people stop doing what they're doing. Because there's an attitude. And isn't it the truth that we live in a world that's results-driven? When we pay for something, we want a good result, don't we? When we put our effort in, we want a good result. And, and that's just the way it is. We live in a very results-driven world. And if we're not careful, we can put God in that same box like he's under some obligation to, he must, must, must bless our labors. But that's not always the case. Sometimes God in his wisdom just gives us something we don't expect. But, but it, that's generally, some, that's at times the reason why people give in. You know, they, they'll go out for a little while, they'll, they'll try to reach people, they'll invite, they'll, they'll put, letter, uh, put tracks in letter boxes. They'll pray. They'll come to all-night prayer meetings. They'll come to services like this, and they'll come over and over again and bring friends and labor. And, you know, there's, there's, the reality is sometimes people give in because over time they never see anything happen. Or they don't, they don't get the, the expectation met by God. The outcome wasn't what they expected. You know, all of that time that I put in, and, and this is what I get. This is the, this is the result. There's a disappointment. There, there's a lack. It's still unanswered. Those problems are still there. And I've tried. I've prayed. And I've done all I could. But see, sometimes we're, we're, we're really just, just masking all of that with, with us, the same attitude as the world, like we demand results. But the reality is that, that God is under no obligation. And so today... Again, as much as I rejoice in Christ for the results, I want to boldly say to you to forget about the results. And, and here's what I'm saying. We ought to praise God regardless. See, see, what should the premise of our praise be? Is the premise of our praise, because God is worthy of praise, isn't He? But, but is the premise of our praise based on our expectations being met? Based on results that we so gladly see? Based on those things that, that we so we so planned for and hoped for, should that be the premise of our praise when only those times are met? See, in this story, we're going to see a contrast of responses. And notice here in John chapter 6, and 
I want you to note there firstly in verses 14 and 15. And if you know your Bible a little bit, you know that this was just straight after the feeding of the 5,000. So they had just crossed over to a, uh, the Sea of Galilee. They, they're in a place called Bethsaida, uh, Bethesda, uh, Bethesda and, and they were there. And they were in a desert place. And uh, as the multitude listened to Christ, they got hungry, didn't they? You know the story, a, a little boy came with his five loaves and two fishes. And, and God does a great miracle, doesn't He? He does a, a, a wonderful miracle. And, and so He sees uh, their hunger and He does this thing and He multiplies the bread to the, to the point where they, they, there was so much abundance they had to gather up the fragments of bread. And, and they filled those, those baskets full. Uh, just, just all of those fragments as, as God blessed those, those loaves and those fishes. And they, they, go, they began to eat. And notice the response then of the people there in verse 14. Notice this good outcome. They were hungry and so God fed them. And, and notice what their response was in verse 14. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, Oh, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. Well, of course you'd say that. You know, th this miracle was just before their eyes. This great thing had just happened. And so they, they, in their mind, the result then said this, he must be a prophet. Notice this is the truth. This is a truth. And, and they, they perceived. Then notice in verse 15, when Jesus therefore perceived, and he knew, that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. And so to the point here that they were so impressed with what Jesus had done, not only did they say he was a prophet, no, he, they, were, they wanted to make him king. They, they wanted him to be the, their ruler all of a sudden because of this great miracle, this great result, this great outcome that he had just performed. And so this, this thing happened that, that, that caused them to want to lift up Jesus. They wanted him to be praised, wanted him to be number one, wanted him to be the leader of their life. But then contrast that, go down to, the, uh, to later in the, in the chapter. Look at, look at uh, chapter 6 again. And notice verse 60. He goes over now and he's teaching in a different place and now in Capernaum. He had just spoken about the fact in verse 48 that He is the bread of life. Isn't that, a, isn't that an interesting contrast? He had just given them bread abundantly. And then He says, no, I am the bread of life. So now Jesus is about to teach something about Himself. He was about to reveal something about Himself to the people. And He teaches all these things. If you know the story here, He talks about how you must take part in eating of me. Said, you know, if you eat of me, then, then you're going to have this. You're going to have eternal life. And he talks through all of that. And, and you understand, this would have been a difficult thing to hear. They, they weren't quite understanding the picture that Christ was giving them. And so they hear this thing. And, and, and notice what, what uh, they said in verse 60. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is an hard saying. Who can hear it? Saying, so, we don't understand. This is hard to understand. It's hard for us to fathom. And the, the disciples murmured. Uh, he asked them in verse 61, doth this offend you? 
he goes on, and really what he was speaking about was the fact that his body was going to be broken, that he was going to give himself as a living sacrifice uh, for, the, for, for them to be made whole. And, and notice in verse 64, but there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. So he's saying, you know, those of you who understand, but there's some of you who don't believe. And, and verse 66, and one of, the, one of the most saddest verses in the Bible, and it's, it's ironic, it's John 666, but from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Hey, this is the disciples. And this isn't the 12, but this was the, those who were a little bit closer than the multitude. You know, the multitude just wanted to make him king. The multitude just, after receiving bread, this great outcome, wanted to lift them up and praise him, but suddenly he's giving them a hard saying. He's giving them something that was hard to swallow. And now suddenly they're turning his back on him. Aren't people fickle? Aren't we fickle? Aren't we at times where when the outcomes are great, so quick to pray, so quick to lift up Jesus' name. In fact, we want to make him the leader of our life. But then when it comes to hard sayings, we suddenly revert back. And even though he's the bread of life, we stop the praise. Suddenly we walk away. And notice what Jesus said. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, the inner twelve, will ye go away also? And we'll look at Peter's response here in a bit because it's, it's important for us to note that. But, but, you know, sometimes we're all about the results. And I want to say to you as we end our sort of anniversary week, we go into some other things, that as we labor for the Lord, we need to forget about the results. We've got to just give Him praise regardless. You see, what should the premise of our praise be? In this story, again, we see this contrast of responses in the first place after a miracle that both satisfied and really amazed them the people were willing to make Jesus king let's make him king however in the same chapter we see those that followed him walk away the only difference was the result in the first place Jesus just did a miracle in the second place, he gave them something hard. And so in this passage of Scripture, we're going to learn what the basis of our, of our praise should be. And we have plenty to praise God about. Don't we, church? We have plenty to praise God about. But listen, regardless of the plenty, we should praise Him anyway. And I know this morning that, that as I say these things, that this is a difficult thing. That there are times where there are twists and turns in our lives. Where the outcomes are very, very difficult to handle. They're very difficult to see through and very difficult to even comprehend. Like, why is this happening to me? But I'm just saying that in all of that, regardless of the result, Jesus is worthy to be praised. He's worthy. And we're going to see in a little here in our passage just couple of lessons on, on the premise, really, of our praise. And I want to say, forget about the results. And so, let's pray. We'll ask the Lord as we get into the message this morning. Father, again, we thank you. Lord, we praise you for who you are. Lord, 
oftentimes we are so carried away with the gift, we forget about the giver. And so I pray that you'd help us this morning as we open your word to uh, perhaps adjust our hearts and adjust our minds. Lord, we want to be people of praise, so help us to be that. Help us to learn as we, we open your word this morning. We give you the praise, we give you the glory for how you're going to speak to us this morning. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. In first place, notice again in, in, in John chapter 6 and verse 14, we'll, we'll, get, we'll turn to Habakkuk and in a little while we'll turn to other passages of Scripture, but notice there he says this to them, and then those men, when they had seen the miracle, so, so the reason they wanted something here or they, they perceived something about Christ was because of the miracle. Not because of Jesus himself, but because of the miracle. So notice there. When they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, they said this, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. Now, now it's, it's, it's a truth that they understood based on what they had seen, based on what they had just experienced, the euphoria of that. And it's easy to, it's easy to see how Jesus had multitudes following him. Who, who wouldn't want a, a, a piece of bread? Who, who wouldn't want all of these fantastical miracles? Who wouldn't have wanted to see that? You know, again, I, I hope that at some point when we're in heaven, we get to see the whole history of the world. I would just love to see how it actually happened, what the, what the faces of the people were like when they saw. I wonder if many of them had their mouths open, gaping like, whoa, what just happened? I wonder if people were just so so amazed that their minds were, were blown beyond comprehension of what just happened. I'd love to see that. But, but notice here that their decision to call him a prophet was based on the result of what they just, had just experienced. Their following resulted in something. And, and, and yet we understand that later, really, they, the, those that heard about this, those who were... The Bible says his disciples, not the multitude, those who were always with him, not the 12, but, but they were closer than the multitude. They, they turned their back upon hearing and seeing something different. And what happened was their belief was supplemented by, see, by the seeing of the miracle. What was evident through, though was that later they changed their minds. We read it in verse 66. And in this, we see that really what it was, it was temporary feelings. It was temporary feelings. And so first place, what should our premise be of our praise? See, our praise needs to emanate from belief, not temporary feelings. You know, it's a real thing to mistake belief for feelings. In fact, our day today is all about that. Have you ever heard this saying? I'll just live your truth. You hear that over and over again? You know who made that famous? Oprah Winfrey. She, she was the one that just would always say, no, just live your truth. Like, like truth is somehow subjective. Like if it's your truth but not someone else's truth, then just live your truth regardless. And we're all about that now. It's about living our truth, not the truth, our truth. And, and notice that what the people said there after experiencing this great miracle, and no doubt it was, a, it was a wonderful miracle. 
Notice what they said. This is of a truth that prophet. And you know, it, it was masked in spiritual wrapping. It, it was wrapped around in some sort of spiritual talk. But the reality was that they based that truth on their feeling and their experience. And so we see here that, that it really it's a real thing to mistake belief for feelings. And often we allow how we feel about what God does before we decide to praise Him or not. You ever, you ever um, been with your children? Who thinks, it's a, who thinks it's difficult to feed children? Oh, come on now. All right, I've, I've got my hand up. I should have both hands up, all right? But it's difficult. You know, sometimes kids have these expectations about dinner. And you know, if you know my kids, it's always, a, it's always pizza, all right? They always think, are we going to have pizza tonight? But my wife is a, a lot more um, health conscious than I am. And of course, she would prepare good food for them. But you know, their attitude is, I'm going to check out what mom, mom does first before I, before I receive it or not, before I say thanks or not, before I give my mom praise for that or not. And they, they respond. Uh, you, you ever see how kids just so quickly flip from one thing to the next depending on your answer, yes or no? You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. You, you become the greatest parent in one second. Later on, you're like the worst parent. You, you go to your, your children go, oh, can we go to the park? Yes, let's go. Let's do it. And they're like, oh, you're the best. And then... They want to go to another park, and you go, no, we don't have time. What? Oh, come on. But, you know, we laugh at that, but in very real terms, we're like that with God. Based on how we feel about what He has just done, we'll base how we praise Him or not. You know, we'll, we'll pray for a good day, like a beautiful sunny. I remember a couple of years ago, many years ago now, we had... Um, Dr. John Nordman preaching for us. He came up from, from Tasmania. I think he was in Sydney at that point, actually. And uh, Pastor Tom was away. I was still quite, uh, quite new in the ministry, and so all I was doing was, was leading the, the service. I wasn't preaching that morning. But I remember I came up here, and I said to, said to the church something like, well, it's good to be in church, but what a miserable day. <laughs> it was cloudy. It was raining. And I remember that Dr. Nordman came up and man season in ministry and he said, you know, it's never a miserable day to be in the house of God. And I felt about this small. <laughs> Lesson learned. And it's true. But, you know, sometimes we base our response of praise to God based on the result He gives us. Based on how we feel about that. And, and I'm not saying that it's, it's inhuman to feel. We do feel. There are times where what He allows into our lives hurts us. There are times when we think we put in the work and the results are pretty disappointing. The outcome's not what we had wanted or expected. But, but we base then our, our response to God our, of praise on that. But, but praise needs to emanate from a deep belief in who God is, not what He does. L look at Habakkuk 
chapter 3. And if you say that differently, God bless you. Habakkuk chapter 3. And notice with me verse 18. And I was reading through Habakkuk, and this verse actually really stood out to me initially. Then I read the context. And notice verse 18. He says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. What a great verse. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. What great words. But you know what makes them greater? It's verse 17. Because he says here, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Now that sounds pretty bleak to me. You know, many of us here, if we were in that situation, we would whine and complain and be absolutely wroth with God. Some of you don't think so, but you've never been in that situation. And here it is, yet I will rejoice. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Then he goes on, the Lord God is my strength. And He will make my feet like hinds feet. And He will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. He's singing this praise. Not because the circumstances were great. Not because the results were exactly the way he had hoped. Not because the outcome was, was, was so, so favorable. Not because everything seemed to be going right. No, he based his praise on who God is. And the fact is, the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God doesn't change. And just because of circumstances, and just because the outcome isn't the way we had thought and hoped it to be, doesn't mean God has changed. God is who He is. And we can't base our praise on some fleeting feeling of euphoria about a great result. We must base our praise upon deep belief of who God is. See, the fact is, Jesus, when He gives us results that, that we like, we enjoy, or whatever it is, it's to further not our how we feel, it's to further deepen our belief in Him. That's why at times God gives us a bit of honey to lighten our eyes. That's why at times God in His sovereignty and in His graciousness and in His mercy to us, He gives us these great outcomes. Not so we could be lifted up. Not so we could have these feelings of euphoria, although those are a byproduct. No, it's so that we can deepen our belief in who He truly is. So that our faith can be strengthened. Look at, look at John chapter 11. John chapter 11. 
And you may know this story well. This is the story of Lazarus. And, and you understand that Jesus wasn't there at Bethany at the time. Uh, his, his, uh, his sister, uh, Lazarus' sister Mary, uh, Martha, goes up to find Jesus, sees Him afar off, and, and, and Mary even. And, and you know what they say? They said, you know, if you had been here, Lord, He wouldn't have died. And we know, though, that, that Lazarus does die. We know that the outcome that they had hoped for had already well and truly been left to tatters. They wanted Lazarus, their brother, alive. They, there was a great love in the family. This was a family that, from all accounts, were close-knit. They lived together. And yet we see here that the result of their hopes and dreams was that Lazarus dies. And so now they're rushing to Jesus and they're saying, if you had been here, you wouldn't have died. We know the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. He loved Lazarus. It wasn't like he had no care for Lazarus. He had a great love for Lazarus. And, and notice what they say there in, in John 11. Notice verse 40, and, and they're saying to, to him, look, he's been dead four days. Notice what he says in verse 40. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I know that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth! And he, did that, and he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. And notice verse 45, Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. Later on in chapter 12, a couple of days later, the Pharisees were so concerned about the news about Lazarus and the amount of Jews that suddenly believed in Jesus that, that they, that's when they started to really plot to take, take care of those that believe, but also to take care of Christ. They started to plot against His demise. But, but here's the point I'm trying to make. Jesus did something miraculous, not so that Mary and Martha could be comforted, although they were, weren't they? You'd be pretty comforted if someone that you, you, you loved was raised from the dead. You'd be pretty amazed about that. And, and, and in all of that, Jesus sees our need. But really, in all of it, it was so our belief can be strengthened. It's so that their belief in who He is can be affirmed and can be deepened in their lives. And, and you know, you look at Days like last week, and we often say, don't we? We, we hear preachers say that, that, you know, Jesus still saves today. And I'm, I'm glad that He does. But aren't you even more glad when you actually see that happen? When you actually see people saved? When you actually see people call upon Christ as their Savior? When you actually see answered prayer? When you actually see all those things that you had hoped? But in all of that, it's not to puff us up or to make us feel good. It's so that our belief can, de can deepen in who He is. 
And even, even in times where, where, where we question what God is doing, can I just say that God is still God? But can I just say this also, that God is not for us. He's with us, but God is for God. What He wants to accomplish is His business, not ours. God is for God. It's not our will that He wants to accomplish. It's His will that He wants to accomplish. It's not about how we feel. It's not about, it's about our belief in Him. And God is for God. He wants to accomplish in you what He chooses to accomplish. And you may not like the outcome. We may not even agree with it. But in all of it, God is who He is. God is for God. And our praise needs really to emanate from from belief, from deep belief, not temporary feelings. And so why is it then that so many uh, Christians who go through outcomes that are undesirable suddenly start to question who God is? Suddenly start to question those things that were so evident once once upon a time. They were so part of who they were, part of their being, and suddenly now they start to question and they start to remark about, is God really that? Is that really Him? And at times, it's because there's a lack of, of belief. Or maybe even this, a lack of praising Him regardless. And so I want to say to you, forget about the results. We've just got to praise Him from belief, not temporary feelings. But then secondly, notice again in John chapter 6. And now verse 15, we, we note there, this is of a truth they said in verse 14. But it was based on what they had seen, how they felt about the miracles. But then notice verse 15. So now Jesus perceives their intent. They continue on. And they notice there, and take him by force. Can you imagine that? Take him by force to make him king. So by force, like, like whether you like it or not, you're, you're going to be our king. Whether you, you, you expect this or not, we're going to, we're going to put you up on a, on a pedestal. You're going to be on the throne. You're going to be our king. And, and you understand that Jesus is king. You understand He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You understand that Jesus, regardless of what they were thinking, was already sovereign, was already the ultimate authority above all things, above all principalities above every throne on earth, above every throne in the whole universe. He was already above it all. But you understand in this context that they were thinking like the Jews who were looking for a Messiah who was going to be a political leader. And and so no doubt as they saw this, they, they said this guy has to be him. And so they were going to take him by force to make him a king. And, and the problem is though, they were going to do this according to their own terms. They were going to praise God, praise Jesus, lift Him up based on their terms. And here's, here's the, the point. It really, this, wasn't, this was merely based on their own satisfaction, not on anything else. 
But, but praise, praise not only needs to emanate from belief, it needs to come from a place of obedience. When it comes down to it, praise is really simply obedience. It's not an option, really. We're to praise God regardless. And he, here they were, they were going to base their praise on their own satisfaction. It was on their terms, not His. And we, many times Jesus spoke to, to those whom He performed a miracle on, and very much He said to them, don't tell anyone. My time has not come yet. He, he, he was going to triumphantly enter Jerusalem, you know, that story later on. And, and it, wasn't, it was going to be a, a triumphal thing, but there was going to be a rejection, we know that. And God's plan and His mission was really not to be on a throne at this point. It was to be on the cross. It was to lay down His life. And so really when they were saying here to make Him king, they were really speaking out of turn. They were speaking based on their own will, their own satisfaction, not really on a, uh, in regard to obedience to, to what God had revealed. And the problem is, the reality is this, Jesus is king whether He does what, what satisfies us or not. He is king. Regardless of what we think about what He has just done, Jesus is king. And yes, He satisfied their hunger. Yes, they, He did this miracle. Yes, he, he is who He is. And therefore, because of all of that, they wanted Him to rule. But on their terms. Because later on, we know that when He does declare who He really is, I am the bread of life. Take part of me. They reject Him. Because now it wasn't on their terms. It was on His terms. And it's like that sometimes, you know, when you speak to people about salvation. You speak to them about the fact that, that it's by grace through faith. It's not by religion. It's not by any works, lest any man should boast. And yet people will go, oh, come on, that's too easy. And yet the same people, if you told them you had to walk up a thousand steps to the top of a temple, they'll do it. You know why? Because they want salvation. They want God on their terms. And you know, sometimes we're like that too. Sometimes we'll, we'll want to obey. Lord, I'll follow you if... It's like those, those ones who had an excuse to follow Christ. I'll follow you, but let me do this first. And we want to follow God. We want to give Him praise on our terms, not His. And that's why, you know, in our, in our world today, you see that it's quite evident, it's human nature. That's why oftentimes governments get elected based on their promises, don't they? Whoever can put more money in my pocket, that's whom I will vote for. You see that all the world around. You see that everywhere, you know, many promises of tax cuts. Many promises of more money in your pocket. Many promises about this and that, uh, that, that will cater to your stage of life. You know, whatever, whatever makes you, gets you out on top a little bit, but really what you're voting there is just for your own satisfaction. Not based on perhaps facts or where they really stand about, you know, spiritual issues. And really, that's a demonstration of our human nature. We just want... We want to be satisfied, and, and when we're satisfied, we'll follow. And they wanted to make Jesus king because they received bread. Because they received something that, 
they hungered for. And their, pri- their praise really came with the price tag of personal satisfaction. But see, the issue with this is God is under no obligation to satisfy us. He's under no obligation. You know, the American saying is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But really, that's a humanistic saying, isn't it? Because really, God isn't looking for our happiness. He's looking for our holiness. You see, when when we read verses like Psalm 37 verse 4, where the Bible says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. What we focus on is the desires of thine own heart. We think, oh, what a great God. He'll, he'll, he'll satisfy me. And, and that's how that verse is so often preached. Oh, he, uh, he'll, he'll do what, he, what I want. He'll, he'll provide for all of the longings of my heart. Listen, no. Delight yourself also in the Lord first. That's what matters to Him. And then your desires will be aligned to His desires. That's what that verse means. And many times, though, we will come to God. We will come before Him. And we will praise Him. If only we would be satisfied, but really, that shouldn't be what it's based on. Our praise should be based on obedience. You see, the, the, the issue with this, again, is God is under no obligation to satisfy us. You, you think about the, the general Naaman, who really was an, an enemy to the people of God, and yet Naaman had enough sense, as he was told, about, uh, about the God of Israel, and so he went over there to Elisha. Remember, he, he came with great fanfare. He, uh, he sent ambassage. He announced himself. And, and remember the, the response there in 2 Kings chapter 5. Let me read it for you in verse 10. And Elisha sent. So this Naaman guy was a big shot. He, he, was, he was a general of a mighty army. And Elisha the prophet doesn't even go see him. He sends a messenger unto him saying, Go. And wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. And you know, Naaman's response was this. He was wroth. He went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. He had a preconceived idea of how this man of God was going to do it. And then he reasons, Are not Abana and Fafa? Rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel. May I not wash in them and he and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And you know, sometimes we're like that with God. God says this, do this, be this way, obey my command. And our expectation isn't met. We're not satisfied with that. And so we turn our back in great indignation that God would dare to say no to me. And many times we're that way. Many times we look at the outcome of, of, our, of, of, of that and really what God is looking for is obedience. So that's the issue. He's not under any obligation. The reality is God is worthy of praise because really He knows what's best. See, God knows what's best whether the result is good or bad in our view. And, and in Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9, the Bible reminds us that, that our thoughts are, that for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And really the place of praise 
comes from a heart that chooses to obey God regardless of the result. Regardless. See, praise is the natural outflow of a truly obedient heart. It's the natural outflow. In Job, you know the story of Job, he says, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He praised. You know why? Because it wasn't just his reputation, it was a reality of his life. We know in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were faced with a fiery furnace, their attitude in Daniel chapter 3 was, But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which they has set up. And they noted there that regardless of how the outcome was going to be, they were going to be for God. And their praise was reserved for God alone. Why? Because their heart was one of obedience. And so what should we base our praise on? Is it, is it the outcome that is satisfying to us? No, it should be obedience. Praise is obedience. And then lastly and really quickly, notice again John chapter 6 and, and now verse 60. Again, he says, there are many therefore of his disciples when they had heard this. So remember, he just said, I'm the bread of life. If you take of me, then, then you, you're going you're gonna to be before the Father. And he, he teaches these things and, and they were hard to be understood. Again, they said, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? So he was looking at them and after he had said these things, many of his disciples, the inner, not the multitude, the inner, left him. What happened to making him king? What happened to the prophet that you so perceived? Well, by the way, he's the bread of life. He had just told them about himself. He's the bread of life. But you know what happened? They, their expectation wasn't met. See, what they were desiring was something like the previous, what they had heard or seen previously. They, just, they were demanding of God that he would do what he has done before. But you understand, Jesus, if you study his life, he always did the unexpected. Remember when that woman was caught in adultery? And everyone said, cast the stone. And he said, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. Remember one blind man, he touched his eye. The other blind man, he put it in a, he spit on the mud, on the ground, and he made mud. And he, you know, the, the, even, even the, the disciples, the 12, they, expected him to just continue on and, and be the Messiah and be the ruler and rescue them from Roman conquest. And you know what he did? He died. You know why? Jesus just wasn't about to do what was expected. He wasn't, he wasn't going to be bogged down with our own expectation. And, and through this, he was illustrating really by illuminating their minds about some of these types in the Old Testament, the manna. He's the real bread of life. And you, you look through that theme of the whole chapter of chapter 6 about Him being the bread. You see the bread that was, that was broken, that was then abundant to, to meet the needs of the multitude. And then He was a bread of life that came down from heaven like the manna who fed, who fed them in the wilderness and 
He was pointing to himself. And you know what their expectation was, though? Give me some bread. Show me the miracle. Show me the outcome that I want. And here's the last thing. Our praise needs to be based on his revelation rather than our expectation. See, too many times we base our praise on our expectation, not what he has revealed to us. You see, they walked away from him because the bread from before wasn't there anymore. They left Jesus because they wanted more of the same previous result. And really what he reveals about himself should underpin our praise to him. What does, what, what does the Bible say? He, so he did the miracle. He is the bread of life. And he has revealed himself really as our greatest need and our greatest satisfier. But you know, we want something else. See, our praise should be based on who He is and how He and He alone can bring our greatest satisfaction. And, and I want to say to you this morning, forget about the result. Praise Him anyway. Praise Him for who He is. Praise Him for what He has done. Praise Him for the fact that He's given you your greatest need. And that's salvation. That's forgiveness of your sin. And yes, we pray for, for, for things. We pray for God to come to the place of meeting that need that we perceive, but sometimes His answer is no. And it's about His revelation, not our expectation. See, what He reveals then through the circumstances that we face should really be then underpinned by what He has previously revealed about Himself. Here's what we tend to do. We judge God based on what we see rather than judging what we see with what we know about God. We, we look at the, the dire situation that we see here in Australia, and we, we perceive that, oh, God mustn't be as powerful as He used to be. Listen, God is still powerful. God is still the God who saves unto the uttermost. And, and we ought to look at our situations with an understanding of who he is, and you know, we need to judge our circumstances on God's character and His track record. You know, that the problem with Israel was over and over again, they forgot who God is. They forgot what He had already done. And so we need to, when He reveals through circumstances, we should, that should be underpinned with what we know about Him. But then we, we ought to praise Him for, for this. We, what we ought to praise Him for should be underpinned by what He has revealed to us, really because ultimately it's about knowing Him more. See, He lets us go through times where our outcomes and our results don't meet our expectation. One, because He's under no obligation to meet those expectations. But secondly, because He wants to teach us something about Him. It's about Him. See, all that learning is meant to drive us to a greater praise for our God not our circumstances. And I love the response of Simon Peter. Look at verse 68. Then Simon Peter, remember the question was, will you go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? And you know, sometimes we have a, we have a bit of a judgment about Peter. And certainly Peter had a big mouth. <laughs> he often put his foot in his mouth. But I'm glad for Peter because he said things that others would have said but didn't have the courage to say. 
He said this, he said, To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. And Peter was spot on. Peter didn't focus on what he had just said. Peter didn't focus on what he had just seen. Peter focused on who Christ was and is. He focused on Him. And Peter understood that what he was seeing, what he had just heard, was really on the bedrock and the foundation of who was saying it to him. Many times, we go about and we forget who is actually in control. Who has given us those promises? And who it is, is our God. You know, we, we can turn quickly to, to 2 Corinthians and we'll be done. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You've listened well this morning. And uh, verses 9 to 10. And don't worry, we, we, we're going to have a short day today. No lunch today. We're going to give everyone a break. and No service tonight. It's the last Sunday of the month. But I want to say this. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at verse 9. And he said unto me, remember, uh, Paul, Paul prayed that this messenger of Satan that was buffeting be removed. He prayed thrice, the Bible says. And here's God's response, see. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Then he says this, most gladly. Therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Notice what he says, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. He understood that in the end, God knew what was best. That although he was in a weakened state, although he, it was not the outcome that he wanted, it was not the result he wanted, but it was the result that God wanted. It was his strengthening and his enabling to continue on in the ministry. You see, we probably all of us are a long way from what Paul said. I'll be the first to admit that sometimes infirmities and weakness frustrate me. I'll be the first to, to admit that many times when the outcome isn't what I wanted, I'm often the first to complain. But the reality is this, regardless of what happens, we ought to praise Him. Because we ought to know who He is. You see, it should be underpinned by what we know. And Spurgeon said this, a couple of quotes, when we, when we bless God for miseries, we usually end them. Praise is the honey of life which a devout heart extracts from every blossom of providence and grace. Let your thoughts be psalms, your prayers incense, and your breath praise. He said this, It is well to praise the Lord for His mercy when you are in health, but make sure that you do it when you are sick. For, when your praise, for then your praise is more likely to be genuine. See, when we praise even in times of miserable result, we give God the approval of our trust knowing who He is and knowing what His heart is for us. See, our expectations and the reaching of them is not the goal. 
Our goal is to give Him praise, whether in the dungeon or in the highest of mountain peaks. You know why? Because our God is worthy. He's worthy of our praise. And can I just leave you with this admonition from the psalmist where he said, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you. And Lord, Lord, it's so easy for us to lift you up and rejoice in your goodness when we perceive that the outcomes that we see are, are your goodness. And yet, Lord, too many times, Lord, even in times where we're disappointed and we're hurting and we're miserable, Lord, even in those times, you deserve our praise and we don't. We so often quickly turn our backs on you. Help us, dear God, this morning. Lord, firstly, to rejoice in all that you have done, all that you have been able to allow us to see. But then also, Lord, to just, Lord, in in this time offer you praise because you're worthy, God, because you're worthy. And Lord, I don't know everyone's situation, and, and Lord, all of us here, probably if we shared our story, would be heartbroken for each other. And yet, Lord, the only comfort that we can have is to praise you anyway, to praise you for who you are, praise you for we know that you're a God full of compassion and mercy. You're a God who wounds, but you're also the God who binds. And you're the God whom we can hope for and hope in. And we're thankful for that, dear God. And Lord, help us this morning as we respond to your word. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, and the piano can begin to play. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning as we have this time of invitation. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning that would just say, if I were to ask you this question, if you were to die today, would you know for sure that your sins are forgiven and heaven's your home? So anyone here this morning who would say, Pastor, if, if I were to die today, I wouldn't know. See, the Bible tells us not to boast ourselves of tomorrow, for we know not what a day may bring forth. The Bible tells us that we've all sinned and, and we're under the judgment of God because of that. And yet in His mercy and in His grace, He did the unexpected. He came to this earth, lived the perfect life and became the perfect sacrifice for us on the cross. And here He invites you this morning to receive the free gift of salvation. See, sometimes we expect it's religion. We expect that you have to be part of a church. No, God said it's not by works that we are saved. It's by His grace. It's simply believing and looking to Him for our salvation. So anyone here this morning, just say, Pastor, pray for me. Pastor, pray for me. I'm not saved, but I, I, I need to get saved. I need to get saved. And please pray for me this morning. Just anyone here in the auditorium? Is there anyone here? I don't see any hands. I hope that's true. Don't leave this place without knowing that you know for sure, 100%, that you're saved. Is there anyone here this morning? Just say, Pastor, the Lord spoke to me. And, and there are some trying times in my life right now. And, and to be honest, my praise life hasn't been the way it should be. So anyone here, just say, just humbly say, Pastor, pray for me this week. Pray for me. I see those hands. Anyone else? I see those hands. 
Anyone else this morning? Anyone else? I see those hands. Anyone else? I want to pray for you this week. I want to say to you this morning, if, you're, if you've got your hands raised, that, that Jesus cares. He knows our frame that we're but dust, but He is still worthy. Maybe you're here this morning and just say, Pastor, actually, just in all honesty, in just in general, whether good or bad, I haven't done a great thing of praising God. I haven't really been the type of person to quickly praise Him. Is there anyone here just say, Pastor, pray for me. I need help with that. See that hand. Anyone else? See those hands. All right, let's all stand to our feet. No one looking around. No one looking around. I want to I ask you, why don't we take some time to praise? If you raise your hand this morning, I want to invite you to come to this altar this morning and just offer up some praise. And no one, no one needs to know. No one needs to know what, what you're dealing with. But if the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, why don't we just throw up some incense of praise? Why don't we just give some thanksgiving to God for what He's done and what He's trying to do in our lives? And why don't we remember this morning that God is worthy. The piano is playing. If you raise your hand, I want to invite you to come. Don't delay. Let's, uh, let's take some time this morning as we, as we uh, have this time of invitation.